0: Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to Faith in Focus. You're listening to Voice of Islam Radio, and here we are on the first day of Jilsa Salana UK 2023, the annual convention of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, broadcasting live from where it's all going to be happening in the English countryside here in Hampshire. Although a place of quiet, calm and serenity, once a year this site comes alive, hosting tens of thousands of volunteers and guests participating in this incredible religious event. This year marks the return to normality after quite pared down events over the last few years as the country and indeed the world succumbed and then recovered from the covid19 pandemic so 2023 will be the first back to normal jelsa or annual convention since 2019 if we can cast our minds back that far you join me manazza chow today with daira Jodhri, a solicitor and mum to four sons and sarah ward a teacher and mother of three we're coming to you live from Haddikhtul Mehdi from the Voice of Islam studio, set up in a field in the village of East Weldham, where Voice of Islam will be broadcasting from over the next three days. Asalaamu alaikum ladies, peace be on you. Join us, joining us later today, are special guests, um, Barira Ghaffar and Samina Haq. Barira Ghaffar is a graduate in psychology and uh, Samina Ser- is the mum of three girls and deputy head teacher of a London primary school. Welcome and thank you for being with us today, day one of the Jelsa Salana, the annual convention of the Ahmadiyya community. As listeners may already know, the tradition of the annual convention was started by the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, the promised Messiah, His Holiness Mirza Ghulam Ahmed, peace be upon him. His Holiness hosted the first ever annual convention in 1891 in Qadiyan in India, where he made very clear the purpose of the annual convention. He said, and I quote, the primary purpose of this convention is to enable every sincere individual to personally experience religious benefits. They may enhance their knowledge and due to their being blessed and enabled by Allah the Exalted, the perception of Allah may progress. And among its secondary benefits is that this congregational meeting together will promote mutual introduction among all brothers and it will strengthen the fraternal ties within this community. So this year is a special year for Ahmadiyya Muslim women. We've been celebrating the centenary of Lejna e We're celebrating 100 years since the establishment of this women's only organization, an auxiliary of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. So today we'll touch on the history of Lejna e the reasons for its inception, and the significance of its goals and projects. We'll find out about Lejna in the UK, where we have over 140 branches throughout the four countries that make up the United Kingdom. Now, today we've got representation from our North of England sisters, our African sisters, our Pakistani sisters and our English sisters to talk about our experience of Lejna, what we've gained from being part of this women's only group and our involvement in some of the many projects and initiatives of Lejna
1: as Thank you, Manuza, and peace be upon you and all our listeners. It is truly an immense pleasure to be here today and to be fortunate and blessed enough to attend an annual convention for another year. It's such an important point within my personal annual calendar, and I'm sure that it's the same for many of the guests that are here today. I love the fact that as well as being a time of spiritual rejuvenation and growth, it's also a celebration of sisterhood. Every year I come to the annual convention and I meet familiar friends and I make new ones. As you mentioned Manazza, our guests come from all corners of the globe and there is an international dimension to the event, especially this year after three years of it being um, in restricted circumstances. So I'm really looking forward to hearing from so many diverse voices today.
0: Yes Sarah, and later in the programme we will examine the lessons we take from the words of His Holiness, from his address to the ladies at last year's convention, and we'll reflect on what Ahmadi Muslim women and all women in general can take from His Holiness's exposition of true Islamic principles around the status and the role of women in society.
2: Okay, so um, today it's Juman, so I think probably a good place to start would also be to discuss the significance of um, Friday uh, in Islam because it's the Muslim holy day of the week. And um, the significance of Friday actually lays within the importance attributed to the Friday prayer service, which is actually offered in congregation in place of the Zohar prayer. And in the Holy Quran, uh, the Holy Quran commands, and if I can quote, O ye who believe, when the call is made for prayer on Friday, hasten to the remembrance of Allah and leave off all business. That is better for you if you only knew. And when the prayer is finished, then disperse in the land and seek of Allah's grace, and remember Allah much that you may prosper." So each week on a Friday, Muslims are required to take a bath, um, we try to dress in our best clean clothes, wear perfume, and assemble in the mosque for Friday prayer. And the Holy Quran and the Sunnah actually speak highly of the blessings of Jummah prayer. And if a, pers- if a Muslim spends Friday in the remembrance of God Almighty, we believe, and um, supplicating before Allah, he is abundantly rewarded by God.
1: Yes, I, you know, I definitely agree. Friday prayer is an occasion for the assembly of the Muslims of a whole city or town and that happens wherever there are Muslims gathered, in whichever country around the globe. And this year, the attendance at the annual convention here in Hampshire is predicted to be in the region of 40 to 50,000. That's twice the population of the town of Alton, which is 90,900. Um, and it's about the entire population of nearby Winchester, which is 49,000. And those are, you can see the comparison to this quite rural local area. In a large city, Friday Prayers is offered at more than one place for the convenience of the Muslim community. It gives them an opportunity to meet together, to be together, to discuss and to solve their individual as well as community problems. And I know that for me Friday Prayers has been a time where I will meet up with friends and um, after the prayer have have food together or or sit and talk. Because getting together once a week develops that sense of unity, of cooperation, of cohesiveness amongst Muslims and Friday prayer is also a demonstration of Islamic equality. It gives the imam, that's the person who leads the prayer, a chance to advise all Muslims in the speech that accompanies the prayer um, at the same time on urgent matters that face them. The imam's sermon gives um, the people listening guidance, and it also gives them Islamic teachings.
2: Absolutely, and um, just, um, I was just quoted for you a Quranic verse about the um, Friday prayer. Um, and in the five-volume commentary of the Holy Qur'an um, the commentary given actually reads and I quote that Muslims have been enjoined to be particularly careful about the obligatory Friday prayer every, per- every people have a Sabbath and the Muslim Sabbath is Friday as soon as the call to prayer is made all business is to cease and the faithful should attend the mosque to listen to the leader's sermon which is also called the khutbah, which usually deals with some topical subject concerning the moral and social needs of the community and how to fulfil them the, commun- the commentary actually then goes on and reads that unlike Jewish or Christian Sabbaths, the Muslim Sabbath is not a day of rest. Um, before the Friday prayer and after it, Muslims are exhorted to follow their daily avocations. And if you take a look at the notes on, on this surah in the um, five volume commentary, they actually explain that the importance of the Friday prayer is emphasized and an implied hint is made that at the time of the second advent of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, which has been likened to the Friday prayer, that they would actually be a mad craze for trade, commerce and worldly gains, um, and actually many other diversions to amuse us and turn men away from God. So Muslims are actually exhorted not to let these things distract them
0: um, from our religious duties. Thank you for the reminder of this really incredibly important day, a reminder for us to turn our attentions to you know, a religious um, aim every day, every week. Now, I'll come across some interesting historical background about the Friday prayer, which I'd like to share. So we know that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, migrated to Medina from the city of Mecca. And on that journey, he resided in a place called Kuba. Now he stayed there for around 10 days, after which he set out again for the heart of the city. And as their caravan, as it was known in those days, began to advance towards the city, the time for Friday prayers arrived. So the Holy Prophet, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam stopped, delivered a sermon to his companions, and then he led the Friday prayer. Now the book entitled The Life and Character of the Seal of Prophets tells us, and I quote, Historians write that although the Friday prayer had already begun, this was the first prayer service which the holy prophet led himself. After this, the Friday prayer service formally began. In actuality, Friday is an Eid for the Salat just as Eid or Fitr is the Eid for the fasting of Ramadan and Eid al-Adha is the Eid for Hajj. It is for this reason that the Friday prayer has been given great significance in Islamic Sharia or religious law. So just some interesting historical context there. Um, But moving on now to what the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, himself said about the significance of the day. Um, There are numerous hadith or sayings of the Prophet on this subject aren't there? Um, Dido, would you like to share some of those with us? Absolutely, Munizah. So, um, uh, one
2: beautiful hadith uh, taken from Bukhari is that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, he's reported to have said that if a person takes a bath on a Friday, cleans himself thoroughly, oils his hair, uses such perfume as is available, sets forth for the mosque, does not intrude between two persons, offers the prescribed portion of the prayer and listens in silence to the imam, his sins omitted since the previous Friday are forgiven. Um, and also the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, is also known to have remarked that your best day is Friday. So you should be diligent on that day in calling down blessings on me, for your blessings are conveyed to me, which is quite beautiful.
1: Yes. And, you know, there's, uh, I'm guessing that a lot of people got ready in such a manner this morning when they were headed here uh, to Hampshire and it is like a little bit of a celebration to go through that routine, to put your perfume on, to make sure it, it brings that sort of sense of. Absolutely, I always feel like that.
2: Absolutely.
1: Yeah, and it makes you happy actually to go out knowing that you're clean and prepared and, exactly. and, yeah. and well presented. A special feeling. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, following on from that, there's also a hadith or saying which relates to the Holy Prophet and um, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. And it said that he who makes ablutions carefully and comes to the Friday service and listens to the sermon in silence is forgiven his sins since the previous Fridays and three days more. So there's a spiritual um, reason for coming and seeking that repentance and reminding yourself about um, the guidance which we discussed that's given in the book. Mm-hmm. And history bears testament to how the early Muslims would flock to attend the Congregational Friday prayers in the time of the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings yes, be upon him. And it's um, slightly sad that in this day and age some people have forgotten the significance attached to this service, uh, but this was foretold to be the situation at the time of the advent of the Promised Messiah.
2: Absolutely, it was, and um, you know, just to add, if we add some context to what you've just said, Sarah, um, that this was foretold to be the situation at the time of the advent of the Promised Messiah. Um, the, prom- the prophecy in the Holy Quran is that a Messiah would come for the revival of the lost values of Islam. And we, as Ahmadi Muslims, we believe that His Holiness, Mirza Ghulam Ahmad, on whom be peace, you know, was that very promised Messiah. And in fact, he understood this problem. Um, on January the 1st, 1896, he actually peacefully petitioned the British government, which ruled India at that time, to give uh, Muslims the right of leave to attend Friday prayers. And after the passing away of the Promised Messiah on be Peace, um, his successors have all continually emphasised this message. And actually in 1911, the first successor of the Promised Messiah renewed this request. And uh, after two years, partial leave was actually granted to Muslims in general to attend Friday prayers. And um, you know that after the passing of
1: way of the promised society, peace be upon him. Uh, listeners may be aware that the community, the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, has been led by the khalifa, or the spiritual head, um, and we currently have uh, gathered here to listen to the speeches of the fifth khalifa. Uh, but in 1988, the fourth khalifa of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community also raised that same voice that you are mentioning, Tahira, and said that Muslims should be allowed to take time off on Fridays to attend the Friday service. It really is something that's quite important. And you made age. me really
2: nostalgic Sarah because <laughs> I actually remember when that happened, I, we were over the moon at getting time off from school as well <laughs> and uh, I was at high school at the time so we were told that we were permitted to have an extra half an hour after lunch. We left the school premises, we went to the Friday prayer service and then we'd return back to school for the remaining school day. So that brings back some very fond mm-hmm. memories for me.
1: And, you know for those of us who work we must also remember that his holiness said that to be able to attend friday prayers make the sacrifices needed leaving work for this and if necessary then um, not getting paid for that time it was important for everyone to be convinced of the sacredness of that friday and i know that um when I was at university, I would choose lectures that were not on a Friday at that time, mm. either before or after. So I did have, uh, you know, uh, thankfully, that flexibility. And absolutely. I,
2: and even mm, at work now, so many people, mm, so many offices provide um, places yeah. for, for worship.
1: And I, I think always, you only need to have three, three people to absolutely. gather for the Jumma. It doesn't have to be in the hundreds, but wherever you can locally.
0: And that makes perfect sense. So although we have facilities, we need to make use of those facilities mm. and to do that we need to be committed to something which uh, we, we have to be committed to something that we understand fully, because if we don't, we just we, we can't really commit to something like that. So a proceeding understanding is, is absolutely a necessary factor to, to make that sort of commitment and make those adjustments in our day to day routines and something that requires action. And then act, doing something regularly is something that we need to do and understand the reasons for us. And the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said, "From all your days, Friday is the best day. It is the day that Hazrat Abraham, Hazrat Adam was born. It is the day he passed away, and it is the day the trumpet will be blown, and unconsciousness will be induced. Profusely invoke the Lord which means invoking salutations and blessings on me on this day." for this is the day your invocation will be presented to me. And he also said that Friday is the chief of all days and is the greatest in Allah's sight. It is the day that is greater than the day of other and the day of fifth in Allah's sight.
2: Absolutely, and it's, um, I couldn't agree with you, Mormon, as it is so important to understand um, these uh, hadiths or sayings of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. And this particular hadith um, actually has five significances Uh, we're told. It is the day Prophet Adam was born. It is the day he was sent down to earth. It is the day he passed away. It is the day during which a moment comes when actually anything that's asked for, save what is forbidden, will be granted. And it is also said to be the day when the day of judgment will come to pass. And His Holiness uh, said in a sermon that this Hadith also expounds uh, the significance of invoking the rood. Um, now, as you just mentioned, Nazareth, the rood is of course invoking salutations and blessings on the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. So, we should actually make, stref, we are encouraged to make, as Muslims, to make a special effort to recite the rood on Fridays. Um, An invocation of the rood is closely linked to the acceptance of prayer. Um, and in the Holy Quran, we're actually told that Allah and His angels send blessings on the Prophet. O ye who believe, you also should invoke blessings on Him and salute Him with a salutation. Of peace, so if we engage in this habit, then you know the blessings are ours, and um, you know we know that our prayers um, are more likely to be accepted by God. And as in, we mentioned earlier, the actually the word for, fr- um, for Friday in Arabic is Juma, um, and actually I have in front of me an extract of the promised Messiah on whom be peace, which I'd uh, really like to quote, and it's about um, the Friday prayer service. So the promised Messiah on holy Peace said, Of all the obligations of a Muslim, the most important is prayer. And of all the prayers, none is so essential to be recited in congregation as the Jummah Friday prayer service. The Jummah is in fact the greatest Muslim festival. The Holy Quran regards it as a holiday. A whole chapter of the holy book entitled the Jummah has been devoted to it. In that chapter, God commands Muslims to quit all their worldly affairs when they are summoned to a prayer on Friday, to assemble in mosques and to say the Jummah prayers with due observance of all requirements of the law. The person who does not act in obedience to these injunctions is regarded by the Holy Quran as guilty of a deadly sin and almost outside the circle of Islam. So actually from this, we see, um, and the the, how much kind of um, importance, how much stress is laid um, upon the attendance of uh, the Jummah ceremony, and uh, listening to it carefully. And the Promised Messiah continued, it is on account of this importance of the Jummah in the Muslim faith that Friday has universally been observed as a holiday amongst the Muslims from the very earliest time that Islam actually took
0: its rise. JazakAllah, and Sarah, for... Reminding us and educating us so many times about the importance of this special day that we're enjoying today So yes, it's Friday today and outside the studio here. We can see the crowds gathering already mushed up People are av- arriving early to join the congregation uh, People will be hoping to join the front rows for the special blessings attached to praying there And many of us will have taken the whole day off work to be here And You know, we want to make sure that we make it here in good time, park up, make up Make that walk through the Gelsa, the annual convention site, through the mud today. So although it's not raining, Marta, oh. the sun is out. Um, it has rained over the last few days, so the floor. And um, as we were just discussing earlier, people seem to be arriving earlier each year. People are, seem, do seem to be arriving <laughs> earlier each year. So just make that extra time uh, to come a bit early would be the advice that we would give. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So. Sarah, was there something you wanted to add?
1: (laughs) Well, yes, definitely. I think that the weather, because as you mentioned, we're we're, um, in this site in Hampshire, so the weather does affect the site. And some years it's nice and warm, and some years it's... uh, Rainy and muddy, but uh, you know, by the grace of God, we managed to cope with all of it. And I think we've all had experience of both both sides of that coin. Exactly. So yep. we know how to come prepared, and, and we know how to battle. Those and we things.
0: enjoy both sun and rain. Absolutely.
2: absolutely, absolutely do.
1: Yeah,
2: and you can see it on everyone's faces as well. Everyone just, uh, everyone's so resilient and exactly. just smiling.
1: Yeah, and and as you said, all those things about Friday, meeting people, being congregational, those are the reasons we come here. And the weather or the conditions are just secondary to that <clears throat> but um as a british athlete i mean I'm, I'm i'm i am british and this i consider this like my home uh, like many of us here we consider this my home just uh, the british annual convention is slightly different because there are so many guests from abroad um from all the different continents you know we have guests from indonesia who've been coming year after year for 20 years or so from america um from South America we've had a lot of guests also coming so you know Although it is my jalsa as a British person, it's also not mine. I share it with all the international guests. And
0: it's a privilege to share it with all these international Absolutely. guests.
1: Absolutely. It gives it that extra special dimension. And of course, the Khalifa is here yeah. um, and resides in the UK. So in a sense, that's why it's an international jalsa. And it, and it gives it that elevated um, significance to You feel so
2: good to welcome everybody as well. Absolutely.
1: And especially after having three years where we haven't had as many international mm. guests. Um it really is very special, and you can tell this year the atmosphere is, is, is very special. But as a British athlete, I, I've personally been coming to Jelsa or the Annual Convention throughout my life, and I've seen the community and Jelsa itself expand so much. Um, from when I was a child there were, I would say a few hundred, but I think it was probably a few th- a thousand, or maybe more than a thousand, um, to now tens of thousands. And I've also seen the site move from Islamabad, which is um, an area of land which we own in Farnham, the community owns in Farnham, just a few miles down the road, um, to now here where it is in Alton. And the scale of the operation always amazes me, and I'm always staggered to think that just a few weeks ago, this little oasis where we are today, where we're transmitting live, where we have live television, um, was just a farmland um, of fields. So. On this site during the convention, we have so many different uh, facilities. We've got kitchens cooking food, we have first aid, accommodation, exhibitions, stalls, as well as marquees for listening to the varied program. And the most amazing bit is that it's all done by volunteers. Yeah yeah And in a couple of weeks or so it will again be a functioning field. so this is very much a temporary site. But in these few days where we're gathered here, you know we have kings from Africa, we have chiefs of First Nation, um, groups in north america we have guests from across the world politicians and people from all walks of life and they come and they reflect on the spirituality they come to develop the spiritual bonds so i hope that our listeners will you know get a flavor of this international dimension of this unique event that's happening here
0: yeah, Sarah, something you mentioned about the field, working out a field just made me think this morning as I was driving in, my son who always likes to take, um, to poke fun at my driving, said, <laughs> <step>, Mama, <laughs> why, like, why are we driving the field as if I'd fallen off the road and <laughs> <entered> the field? <laughs> um, but all of the facilities that you mentioned, Sarah, in the ladies' section, and all of us in the studio today, are part of Lajna Imailah, the women's auxiliary organisation within the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. So. I thought it would be nice to introduce some of our listeners who may not already be familiar with Lejna Maila, um, which celebrated its centenary last December. So a hundred years ago, 14 ladies in rural India signed up to join this all female organization, Lejna and Maila, within the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, with really quite ambitious plans for its members and their role in society. And I say ambitious, not just in terms of um, rural India from that time, but even in terms of our, you know, our level now. So the aims of Lejna Emala were, were really quite aspirational, and they included religious and secular education for women, spreading of knowledge amongst all women, and helping those in need with very practical assistance and creating uh, unity through inclusivity. Yes, yeah, so to add some context to that time period, the very first female MP entered UK Parliament in 1919. while well, well back in India, it was another 19 years before its first female MP was elected in 1938. So we're talking about 1922, this is a long time ago. So 14 years prior to the election of India's first female MP, Lejna Imala was established. Now, can I ask all of you, when we think of Lejna, what comes to mind? No, oh, I want to go first because <laughs> <laughs> you just—I just feel
2: so happy when I just think about the um, legend. It just brings back—it's such a warm question. I love that question. Um, it brings back um, really beautiful, nostalgic memories of childhood. Um, because we joined—just for the listeners—just um, share with you that we joined the legend at age fifteen. But actually, you know, I think long before that, like many others, we do actually witness uh, the legend so you know—in action, so to speak. So um, as a young child, some of my earliest memories are actually of my mum, family, her friends, you know, a fellow Lajna, literally on a weekly and actually sometimes even on a daily basis, you know, we would come together like family. Um, We'd be working together for charitable causes, uh, we'd be supporting each other in increasing knowledge, you know, caring for one another. So it was a real constant in my life as a young child. um, And I think it was before I even understood the meaning of what or who, you know, a Lajna is. Um, and I remember weekends of being with friends, laughing all day long, you know, daughters of other um and all the other activities we could do together. And even now at the often where we reunited, it's so lovely yeah. to be re- reunited uh, with those friends from childhood. You know, so we had the religious learning and then we also had our individual paths of personal development. You know, the sports we played together, what um, at that time was actually a small mosque in Croydon. And I, you know, I loved being in the garden there. Um, the relay races and the baking, some of which was actually quite disastrous at <laughs> times. But um, it was a wonderful small kitchen
0: and I, I often remember that small kitchen. Um and that's funny because when we used to do, as Lajdar in Islamabad, when we used mm-hmm. to do the cooking, we would use the big jilsa kitchens. Oh, amazing! So, <laughs> so like, we would learn. To, I think we learnt to make bani puri and like rogtees and dolls. Oh, like, I, in a giant like um, I once kitchen. remember we were baking
2: a cake and somebody said there can't be more than four eggs and one of the other um, Narsak put in um, six or eight eggs or something so that cake never set so we were really (laughs) disappointed so we ended up down the shops buying a cake instead so um, I mean that's what it is isn't it it's the sense of togetherness I think that you know we're laughing even now it's that warmth you know you can you feel that warmth even you know when we're just remembering those um, those memories so you know it brought me uh, joy as a young child and it's continuing to bring me joy, just like all of you as well. And it's making me smile. So um, going back to your question, I suppose what I'm really saying is that becoming a Lajna, um and being a member of the Lajna organization, it's actually my, I think it's my identity. And I think the story of Lajna is actually, I feel like it's my personal story too, because I don't feel um, in any way separate from it. Um, and I say that very humbly. I feel very much a part of it. And
0: I feel very grateful for it. I just think it's just so very beautiful. JazakAllah, Thara. Thank you, Thara. So um, we, have, we also have with us our special guest, Samina Huck, who's a deputy um, primary school uh, head. Um, like the rest of us, she's also a member of Lajnai Maila. So, Samina, I'd like to ask you here to tell us what comes to your mind when you think of Lajna.
3: JazakAllah, um, I think I will kind of echo some similar um, aspects as well. But I think one thing that really comes to my mind is that it's a real sense of belonging. It's a part of my everyday life, Manazza, and I feel truly blessed and humbled as we are a community just like we are here at the moment today gathered. We're a community of the servants of Allah, but at the same time, I kind of do really feel that there's a huge responsibility that comes with that responsibility. And like everybody else, we keep praying to Allah, the Almighty, for his guidance. Um, This auxiliary organization is a beacon of true Islam Ahmadiyyat. And how blessed we are that it's under the banner of Mm -hmm. Khilafat.
1: Do
3: you know what? It also really reminds me, um, sisters and all the listeners here, the sacrifices that some of our sisters have made in the past and present. And their devotion to the love, to their faith, and how they really, really, actually, truly fulfilled the values of Lajanai Mala Pledge. You know, every month we say our pledge in our general meetings, Mm -hmm. and we have to abide by them because they're so important. Um, I know we all obviously have lots of reasons why Lajanai Mala is so important for me. But really on a personal note, um, I remember, and um, I think some of you will remember as well, when I got married. um, You know, I've lived in Islamabad nearly all my life. But I had to move. didn't have to move too far, so it was a d- different country. But I had to move from the south to the up north, um, to Bradford in England. This is where I kind of left everything that I was familiar with, my family, my friends. And I don't mean it in like, I mean it in like in a literal and non-figurative way. But I went to a city where I hadn't really been there before. Didn't really know anybody, didn't really know much about it, apart from what was on the media about it as such. But um, throughout time... Um, I met really new friends, and this was really all because, guess what, because of our beloved community, who welcomed this newly married girl into kind of the Jamaat as well, and now I've made real sisters, I've made aunties, new aunties there for life, and that's all through the my Love. So for me, yes, exactly, it's a sense of belonging to this community. I feel so lucky, because
2: we can go anywhere, in the exactly. UK, and even abroad, and if we just connect with the Lajna there, we would know that we will be treated like a sister.
3: And you're you? so right. So whenever we like kind of go on holidays, you know, go whenever there. you go, you always want to go and see the mosque, don't you? you do, and absolutely. you want to go and see the Lajna and you're right. So it's a sense of belonging wherever you are in the world. Mm. And it's like we've always known them. Wherever yes. we meet them.
1: <laughs> no, I totally echo that, uh, Samina. And, you know, for me personally, that's very true. I've moved around um, a lot in my life um, and Lajna does represent that sense of belonging, and that bonding that I haven't found anywhere else in any other organisation or, or job. So, you know, I have lived and worked in various places in different countries. As you said, you sometimes mm. the North might feel like another country <laughs> if you're from down South. Um, and I say that my dad's a Northerner, so no, no offence taken. Um, but, you know, I have lived in different countries. And, you know, I have friends from among the lunch now from all different, and, and from all different spheres in my life. Um, from my working, from my school from all around the globe, but Lajna represents to me who I am, as Tahir mentioned earlier, and what my core values are, and it's a place where I belong, and it's without any national boundaries or any ethnic or um, economic uh, allegiance. You know, I think it's an integral part of my identity. When you're young and you're looking for that sense of belonging, which is probably a while ago now for me, uh, and you're grappling with those ideas of identity and who you are as a person... I feel that those teenage years are a critical time in developing your own sense of self and your own personal understanding about who you are in the world. So for me, Lejna represents who I think I am, that commitment to service and serving others, that drive for women to grow and develop, that collaboration of sharing knowledge and lifting others up, these are all the founding values of Lajna and Myla, and they're all values that I can completely endorse and I try to embed within my own personal conduct. So when I come to a larger event or when I participate in a joint venture by Lajna, I have that deep sense that I am committed to those values, that those values align with what I believe in and I think that that's quite rare to find in, in large organisations um, and it's, it's a blessing to find something that matches your personal views so well. And as a person person of faith, it's refreshing to come to an event where you're surrounded by women who share that faith and who share a common goal, to serve the faith and to bring good to the world. And, you know, I sometimes think that when you read newspapers, you see the news and it can be pretty disheartening. And especially in these times, it can be bleak occasionally. So to go to a space that's an area, whether that's online or in person, where you're forward-facing and you're hopeful and it's based on that common belief in God and working towards doing good to serve your faith I think that's rare to find anywhere it's not corporate it's not financial and it's really uplifting um, to personally be involved in a community such as that and that's what um, Lujna represents to me a group of women who are dedicated to positivity growth and bringing um, good to the world based on faith you know I work in a very female-dominated industry, that of teaching, where over, assuming you'll know, over 80% yes. <laughs> of the workforce is female. So, um, you know, it's also what is perceived as a caring profession. So the purpose of my job that I spend so much time doing aligns with my faith. And, you know, I have really got some wonderful friends at work, and there are common values there, but the bonds of sisterhood that are created by the spiritual ties in the community is is unique, I've found. It generally, genuinely brings us together. And I remember, for example, you were talking to her about your your childhood. I remember meeting a girl um, at the annual convention when I was about 12, and she was from Germany. And I was learning German at school, Mm. and she, she could speak a little English, probably better than my German. So we exchanged um, addresses and we were pen pals for several years. Seems well, amazing. Well before the invention of the internet, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I have a, you know, another person who's a very dear friend of mine and we met at Jalsa and she's from the US and we are regularly in touch on WhatsApp and we get a chance to meet each other at events such as Jalsa when she comes to attend. And she's someone that I turn to for advice and I value her counsel and her opinion And although we're from different countries, we live thousands of miles apart, we have different lives, but um, through the bond of Lajna and Myla, we've developed a supportive and sustaining friendship, and I'm really grateful for that. Uh, These are the blessings that bring me back each year, and I'm eager for that common ground and that sense of belonging.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Sumina and for all your amazing personal accounts. I have to say that in my work as an ophthalmologist, I work in a very mixed environment, and that's the norm for me. And in the professional world, we are increasingly aware that women need spaces for discussion and, and support and even encouragement of each other because of our either situations, family situations or life or our temperament. Because it, in my experience, we suffer more from mm. imposter syndrome and even near crippling self-doubts. Uh-huh. And either we're less good at masking it um, or we ju- they, men don't seem to have as much of it. And... And we're, as women, we're not really as comfortable celebrating our achievements, I find. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, so we know that in a professional situation, we need women-only spaces. And in a religious environment, being in a women-only space is a relaxed, supportive space in which we can encourage each other on our spiritual journeys. And, and this is what Lejna means to me. And I think here at the annual convention, everyone we see around us is offering her skills and services voluntarily to allow this huge undertaking to run like clockwork. And seeing women organising an event of this scale every year is, I think, affirmation for all young girls who are attending that there is little that can't be achieved as a woman. And it's just not the women, it's the young um, Amnasaratha as well, isn't it, Meneza, who have been helping. Exactly, they all take Um, part, and they learn this from a young age. Exactly. And so and we've talked about our individual experience and we've gained and what we've gained, but l- let us delve a bit deeper into the origins of Lezna Maila. Dada, can you take us back to nineteen twenty-two? What was the purpose of setting up Lejna Maila? We mentioned it a little bit, but can you tell us how Lejna came about and as an active member of Lezna, share with us what you feel are its main goals? Okay. So
2: the Ahmadiyya Muslim Women's Association, it's an auxiliary organisation of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, and our name means the community of servants of Allah. So as you said, we were first established in 1922 in India um, as an independent and empowered women's organisation by who was then the khalif, His Holiness Mirza Bashiruddin Mahmud Ahmad. May Allah be pleased with him. And he was the community's second worldwide spiritual head, known as Khalifatul Masih. And his wife, uh, Hazrat Abdul Hay, may Allah be pleased with her, she actually had a great passion for the development and progress of women. And it was actually on her advice that he initiated this organisation, you know, which has at the time did and has continued uh, to transform the lives of the women of the community. So she had such a zest for learning and um, improving opportunities for women. Um, and she wrote, uh, so Hazrat Abdul Hayy, wrote a letter to His Holiness, um, before she was married to him actually, in which he requested him to arrange religious classes for women. So His Holiness, Mirza Bashiruddin Mahmud Ahmad, may Allah be pleased with him, he formed a women's auxiliary before forming any of the other, other auxiliaries of the community. Mm-hmm. And I think this is, that's of great significance, you know, and it's a living proof of kind of women's rights in Islam. And uh, Lajanah Imala actually began with just 14 members, um, which is quite amazing when we're in the thousands today. And uh, His Holiness remarked at its launch. He said then, and I quote, aside from gaining personal and spiritual knowledge, henceforth the successful progress of the community is also dependent on efforts by women.
0: It is interesting that you say that the, the Women's Auxiliary was formed first because obviously Mm. we know that there's two other there's men's auxiliaries but the women's came first
2: absolutely um and I think that kind of uh, is reflective of our importance (laughs) (laughs) so um I mean over the years as we've said earlier you know the organization has spread all around the world and it was actually officially formed in the UK on a permanent basis in 1957 um even though uh, Legendary Principles as such you know had been followed for decades previously by Muslim women in the UK. Um, there are only um, 34 members on record when Lejna actually began in the UK. And as I said, we're now in the thousands. Um, you asked about our founding principles. So I think in summary, I'd say it's for women to come together, you know, to increase our knowledge, to spread that knowledge, to uphold uh, the spirit of unity under the spiritual guidance of our Khalifa, of Khalafat. Um, to work at ever improving our morals and our spirituality, and also, very importantly actually, to be fully aware of the responsibility of the sound upbringing of our children as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then regardless of social standing, to consider all women as sisters, and uh, to serve Islam in practical ways, um, help those brothers and sisters you know who, need, who are in need. And I think to above all of this, to try and attain all of this, um, their aspirational objectives, uh, through prayer, and that's we believe in. in you know those prayers, so lots to be keeping busy with. Right? Absolutely, because our work, leading yeah. on from that, our work actually stems from spiritual education and training, and it actually then goes on to include um, outreach work, social welfare activities, industry and handicraft endeavours, physical health programs. We've done it all, haven't
0: we? I think let's we are doing it all. Yeah, absolutely. We're trying our best. Yeah. So last week, actually, I visited. Uh, the Lejna Imaila centenary exhibition in Farnham, and, and where I learned so much, even though I've been a member for you know many, many years, and there there's a whole section there dedicated to the 14 founding members of Lejna Imaila and the work that they did to sow the seed of what Lejna has become and, and a lot of that was teaching actually. Mm. And this you know quite illustrious group really included the blessed wife of the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, Hazat Sayyidah Jahan Begum, as well as the daughter of the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him on him, Hazrat Nawab Mubarakah, Begum. And it's interesting you mentioned that letter, Tayrah. So one letter displayed at the exhibition in particular, Caught My Eye, mm. which was in Urdu, and it was written by uh, Hazrat Amtul Hay to the second Khalifa, as you mentioned. And she writes a message from her father, who was the first Khalifa, um, after his recent passing, that she was to send a message, if he had been elected Khalifa, that he should continue the existing Qur'an classes for women. So this is a mes- message from the first Khalifa uh, via Hazrat Amtul Hay, to the second Khalifa. Mm. And at the end of the um, letter, she writes in Urdu, and I'll just say in Urdu for those who do understand, because that's quite an interesting um, line. She says, <laughs> And this loosely <laughs> translates in English um, to, so I would request that you kindly have these Qur'anic lessons commence from, tomorrow morning <laughs> <laughs> i mean what a zeal for learning and what bold proactive attitude
4: mm-hmm. it's quite um, amazing
0: <laughs> so the attention towards the constant progress and lifting up of every woman is apparent from even before the establishment of legnan three schools for girls had already been established by 1916 mm-hmm. And Ahmadi women wrote in the Lady Supplement of the Community al fuzal newspaper by then. And in 1921, the, so a year before um, Lajna, the community established the first college for women in the entire Punjab region. No, that's just amazing, isn't it? Um, and we all know that
2: Lajnai Imala has uh, a robust organizational structure, you know. We consist of local branches in local areas, Um, And then we're linked with regional and national management. And actually, the national um, president is elected every other year. So Lajanar is playing an active and full role um, in the religious and philanthropic activities of the Ahmadiyya community. You know, we also play a vital role in running the Muslim TV Ahmadiyya, which is a voluntary TV channel on uh, Sky Channel 731. You know, it's dedicated to the service of Islam. We've also got Lajna broadcasting live on the Voice of Islam radio, like today. And, uh, you know, there are many Lajna, many, many Lajna deeply involved in the daily work um, that it actually takes to put shows together uh, and at, at every level. There's so many Lajna working in the background. Um, and Lajna also runs its own ca- annual calendar, you know, with so many planned events, um, which are organized and managed by women for women and girls, you know, we have our own National Peace Symposium, we have a sports day, an annual gathering, we have numerous educational and training days running throughout the year. And I think it's um, really important to add that we have these events happening on a local basis, then we have them on a regional, and then we have them on a national basis mm-hmm. as well. And it's the same throughout the world, you know, wherever you find Lajina. Um So I think to sum up, Lajana, you know, it places a particular emphasis upon education, the moral upbringing of our children, um, and our aims to improve and enhance knowledge. Um, and it also focuses uh, specifically on achieving high morals and spirituality. And I think the main aim of the uh, Lajanai Mala is well captured by the motto that no nation can progress without educating their women. Um, and I have these worldwide do insist on the need uh, for women to be educated. You know, we really
0: do recognize the importance of this. Yeah, absolutely. Now, this recognition has been constant, really, from the time of the founding of the community. I mean, the first uh, girls' school in the community was set up by the Promised Messiah, peace built him, in him, in 1909 called Madras Tulbinath, or A School for the Daughters. What What's a beautiful called? name, actually. It's, 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 as well. it's a lovely name, Sarah, what role do you feel that Lajna has played in the progress seen within the Ahmadiyya Muslim community in general?
1: Well, I, you know, I think that's a really broad broad question it and is. you're talking about 100, <laughs> 100 years um, and you've just mentioned how uh, the women were, infl- you know, promoting progress even before Lajna was formed so Mm. definitely would require a really long answer I think but I'll give you my brief (laughs) brief summary. Um, You know Lajna are a significant section of the Muslim community both in number and in the activity that they do. This activity stems right from the very young age up until you know throughout the woman's life and we all know that a woman's life is very much in different phases you know childhood adolescence young adulthood marriage, which is a goal in Islam, motherhood, where that is possible. Um, And we know that according to Islam, women have a caring role and that they are intrinsic to the running of the household and the family unit. So Lajna Imayla recognises this huge role that women play within society and it equips all women, young and old, to be the best that they can be. It enables them to fulfil their responsibilities in the best manner and it encourages all women to always self-improve self-reflect, and serve others. Lajna organises so many different activities, as Tahir was mentioning, it's, it's very difficult to mention them all here, uh, but I will give a couple of examples. So, as Tahir mentioned, one of the very purposes of Lajna and Myla was that women are best equipped to advise and counsel other women. And to me, this is such a liberating concept that we're able to form our own organisation, to plan and deploy our own schemes of work, Recently, we've had the initiatives on developing mental health champions for each other. We have sports and fitness department that will encourage women into fitness we have done hiking through that department, martial arts training, mm. self-defence classes for women. Mm. And that's so topical, isn't it, Sarah? When, Absolutely. And
0: physical education is a problem in, in, in schools currently. And I think that's the key,
1: that Legend are proactive in seeing what women need mm. and providing it for them. Then they are, you know, um, adaptive to the situations uh, that are there.
2: And we, we recently had the national volleyball ta- yes, tournament as yeah, well. Yes, international, mm-hmm. yeah. Absolutely, international.
1: So, yeah, so um, we also have a trade and industry department, which runs courses, giving women skills that can, then can equip them for business in the future. They will run workshops where women are uplifting and upscaling each other, upskilling each other, I should say, and sharing the knowledge that they have. And there's also the Department of Welfare and Service where Legenda will ensure that members are reaching out to their neighbours who might be in need, that the elderly are visited, that young mothers have help. It's an organisational system that exists in local chapters, as we mentioned, and on a national level. There's a strategic vision that sets goals for the year. There are targets, there are budgets which are set. It's monitored by reports which are made each month. So this is not some sort of... Fluffy organization. It's a well oiled, well organized administration and um, running of a large organization of around 12,000 plus women in the UK alone. So it's amazing what these women are doing for themselves I and by a themselves.
2: a robust organization.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And Lajna also fundraise, they start projects. I know, for example, that the UK are building a maternity hospital in Sierra Leone mm. so that those women and, um, in other areas of the world who don't have access to medical care can have better opportunities and outcomes. So it's really this selfless drive to improve the lives of others, um, of our members and those who are not in our community. But on a personal note, I want to say that Lajna Omyla is not just a bureaucracy. It's the building of personal relationships between women to be a bond and to be a support in times of need. So I know that I can ask if I have a difficulty with my children when they were younger, if I needed advice about sleep training or behaviour support. There is a group for mothers of children who have SEND needs where they get mutual support and advice. The members can benefit from the experience of others. But I personally will never forget when my youngest son, who's now 14, was born, um, because he was born prematurely a month early, and uh, I lived abroad. And most of the members in that Lajna, which was a very small, maybe perhaps less than 100 members, um, were not from the UK, and many of them could not even uh, speak English. But the president in that area was Mrs. Avada Hashim, and she organized for me to be brought food to my house for seven days um, Mm. after I gave Mm. birth. So there was lunch, dinner, salads, desserts, cakes, (laughs) everything, not just for me, but for my family. and they were brought to our house. We didn't have to go and collect them. And different families took turns organising and sending us food so everybody could uh, could contribute. You know, and I'm always very touched by that kindness and it can't be repaid. And I'm always grateful for those ladies who contributed in that time. Um, In a time of need, I think I didn't have to ask I was provided with something that really helped mm. and was needed by my family.
2: And I'm sure, Sarah, you've done that for other people as well. Um, I, haven't
1: you, been in, I haven't done it as much. I've done it on different scales, mm. but not mm. not when somebody's... But it feels uh, so
0: good
2: would... to cook for other Lajuna
0: and their yeah, families as well. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And I, I have definitely cooked for others. It does remind
0: me of um, the saying that it takes a community to yes, raise a child. Yes, yeah, absolutely,
1: yeah. And, you know, in that time of need, I, I didn't have to ask. And I was provided with something that that really helped me... And it's that personal contact, looking for the needs of others, that His Holiness mentioned in his speech to the annual convention last year, that people don't always tell you when they're in need, and they don't always let you know um, what it is that they need. So we as Ahmadi Muslims should anticipate their needs and mm-hmm. provide for it. Mm-hmm. And I feel that, um, in my experience, the Lejda has done that more more than I mm-hmm. could, have, uh, could have thought, really.
0: Yeah, so kindness, the kindness that you've described and... Looking after our neighbours is such an important part of our faith. I mean, the two parts of our faith are, of course, being fulfilling the rights of Allah, and the other one is fulfilling the rights of our fellow beings. And these these acts, which are really moral acts that you describe, are what we, as a community, endeavour to carry out and instil in our children. And the second Khalifa of our community, His Holiness Hazrat Mirza Bashiruddin Mahmud Ahmad, said that um, moral and spiritual training that a mother gives is an extremely important factor. He says, he goes on to say that, no doubt men carry out the task which is for the current times, but it is women who build the future.
1: And he also said that women's progress leads to the progress of a religion. Remember that no religion can progress until and unless its women progress. For Islam to progress, it is important that you progress. And he was addressing women. Women are like two walls in the four walls of a room. If two walls of the room were to fall, then the ceiling would the ceiling not uh, not remain intact? Would it remain intact? No, it wouldn't. So, mm. Lajna plays an active and a full role in the religious and philanthropic activities of the Ahmadiyya community. And one of the founding principles of Lajna Amila is to serve Islam in a practical way and to help brothers and sisters in need.
0: Mm. And to commemorate its centenary, UK Lajna, have pledged to build a new maternity hospital in Sierra Leone, a country in West Africa with the highest rates of maternal mortality in the world. So it's estimated there that for every 100,000 live births, 1,360 mothers die due to complications either during birth or after birth. And when we compare that number, 1,360, to the figure of seven in the UK, we have some sort of appreciation of the scale of health inequality experienced by mothers in Sierra Leone. And so this new maternity hospital uh, built by UK Lejna will serve the vulnerable and needy sisters who are deprived currently of even the most basic of medical needs, which we currently may take for granted. So this is a form of charity, which, which is one way of working towards equity. This is one of the five pillars of faith in Islam. The Holy Quran teaches compassion and serving humanity. And as the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, said, and I quote, "'Never shall you attain to true righteousness unless you spend what you love most, because sympathy and good treatment towards the creation of God depends to a large extent on the spending of wealth. Sympathy towards humanity and God's creation at large is the second aspect of faith, without which one's faith cannot be complete and firm. Until a person sacrifices for others, how can they give them benefit?' Sacrifice is necessary in benefiting others and showing them sympathy. It is this very teaching of sacrifice that has been given. And that's the end of that quote from Amal Fouzaat. So this maternity hospital project is is a symbol of sisterhood. Women understand the struggles of other women. And with Allah's grace, women of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community here in the UK are empowered in this instance, as in many others, to try and change things for those who are less fortunate than we are.
1: Absolutely. And um, I know that as a mother, I know how difficult and dangerous childbirth can be. And I do know that personally, because I had a medical complication with the birth of my second child. But thanks to modern medicine and a well-equipped hospital, I was safe and well, and so was my child. Mm -hmm. And I think we often forget how precarious childbirth can be. Mm -hmm. So to serve women who don't have access to the same quality of care is an act of service. To donate to women you will never meet, who will never be able to thank you, and to give with an open hand because you want others to have better chances in life, this is the essence of charity. There is a well known saying of the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, that you should like for your brother what you like for yourself. So I wish other women um, to have a similar level of maternity care that I had.
0: Mm, Sarah, for sharing that with us. We're going to head now for a break, for the news break, after which we'll continue our discussion. As-salamu as-salamu alaykum. Welcome back to Faith in Focus on the Voice of Islam. Before the break, we were talking about maternity hospital in Sierra Leone and charity. Sarah, was there something you wanted to continue with?
1: Yeah, so um, absolutely. Islam teaches that charity only increases your wealth, that you can never lose by donating to charity. And it also teaches people not to boastfully give charity or to follow up charity with injury. And an injury could be even reminding someone um, that they're beholden to you for, for you giving them something. Mm-hmm. So this maternity project embodies that true spirit of sacrifice. And as we mentioned, it is a project that's run and funded by Lajna Omyla. Uh, we are giving as an organisation. It's not about individual recognition. It's, a, it's all the money is being spent to serve women that we will never know. Personally, I feel that um, the way charity This Way Charity will increase in, in this situation. Is that the legacy of that maternal care will echo for generations? Absolutely. You know, to save women in dangerous situations mm. will have a lasting impact on their families <coughs> and on themselves, and that's a beautiful thing.
2: It really is, and I couldn't agree uh, more with you. Um, the maternity hospital, I think, is amazing. Um, and Islam, as we've just been talking about charity, it lays so much emphasis, also, you know, on gratitude. And um, I think it's important to say that gratitude can come in many forms. So it is in being grateful for what we have to God, but I think it also lays within um, you know, helping those less fortunate than ourselves. And I think resolving to do this together, um, hopefully that means that the result can be more beneficial, um, as I hope it will be, God willing, you know, with the maternity hospital. Um, but I think it's more to say that the personal benefit is actually huge because it's so enriching. Um, It's so nourishing to the self to contribute to that beneficial change. You know, it doesn't matter that we don't know those women. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we're all mothers here and we've been through childbirth. You know, we can only imagine. Um, And, you know, it's reminded me of an example, actually, because even in the UK during COVID, you know, we had local teams of Lajana who were sewing face masks and they were doing what they could at a time, you know, a a hugely challenging time. Um, So we're all in our own homes. We were physically separated, um, but I think even then, the communal aim brought us together but, and it kept us going, you know, whilst also being beneficial to
0: society. You know, and I think that's what we want. That's our aim as Lejna. Mm, and talking about COVID, our local region made, I can't even, I don't even know what number of masks and gowns to, mm. to donate to the COVID cause. So Lejna Amayla is established in well over 100 countries around the world. And, and each Lejna is celebrating their, the, this milestone in their own way. And here in the UK, uh, another pledge that we have made um, with effects closer to home is to plant 100,000 trees across the country to commemorate the 100 years. And of these, just over 89,000 trees have already been planted in the last year up and down the country on regional levels. And Lesnard's tree planting is not only an apt symbol for the growth and care for future generations, which is so integral to our ethos, but also an attempt at, um, if not reversing, then preventing some of the damage being done to our planet. In accordance with Quranic teachings, this is an integral part of our faith to care for the planet in a sustainable manner. So the Holy Quran reminds us of the bounties of nature, stating that he it is who sends down water for you from the clouds, out of it you have your drink, and there grow from it trees on which you pasture your cattle. And that's from chapter 16. So Islam lays great importance on taking care of the environment that Allah has blessed us with.
1: And some years ago, addressing an event in Singapore, His Holiness Musa Maslur Rahmed, who's the head of the uh, Ahmadiyya Worldwide Community, said, and I will quote, If we look at the natural world, we find how Allah has enriched it with such an array of natural resources. There are flowing rivers, and certainly water is the most fundamental requirement and is in even greater demand. Indeed, a chronic lack of water is becoming an increasingly critical and desperate issue in some parts of the world. And we've uh, Anyway, these are just a few examples of the many forms of natural wealth that God Almighty has bestowed throughout the world. Islam teaches that all of these resources are the combined property and wealth of mankind. Thus, all of these blessings are for all people, and so they should all derive benefit from them. These vast treasures that Allah the Almighty has endowed, both above and below the earth, are not just for a few selected individuals, but are for the benefit of every single person in every part of the world, End quote. So most of the environmental issues that the world faces now, um, you know, it's a crisis which has been brought about by prioritising wealth over sustainability, mm-hmm. over the measure that the Quran mentions. The climate crisis is a central example of injustice, Richer countries are leading contributors to harmful emissions, yet the devastating consequences are felt more keenly in poorer nations. Mm. The solution to gross injustice is the prioritization of absolute justice, the importance of which has been highlighted in the Quran. Verily, Allah requires you to abide by justice and to treat with grace and give like the giving of kin to kin, which is chapter 16, verse 91. You know, these principles are the ones which Lejna have been striving to follow for 100 years and, um, God willing, will continue to strive for, whether it's through planting trees, as you mentioned, uplifting a fellow Lejna member or nurturing the next generations. And one of the main aims of the establishment of Lejna was and is to encourage all women to gain an education in religious and secular terms and for all women to pull up all women around them. In terms of religious knowledge, as we are all part of Lajana. Tahira, from your personal experience, what has Lajana been working on to achieve this?
2: So Lajana actually, we have a detailed learning programme and it's aimed at nourishing us on so many um, different levels. But from the perspective of what Lajana, Sarah, you specifically asked me about religious, uh, you know, what we do to achieve religious knowledge, I think the short answer would be that this is at the forefront of our work. We are amni muslims and in order to achieve the best outcomes in every field we work in um, you know we the root of that i think is in building our religious knowledge and then the practical implementation of that also so the responsibility with an increase in knowledge also naturally increases so i think it's about living every moment and day you know in the presence of god Um, but we do have an annual plan for our religious knowledge it's broken down into termly plans and then this is worked on in local meetings, through to national events. So we can really, you know, cement our learning and then we can reflect over its practice in our daily lives. Um, and as part of this religious knowledge, we're constantly engaged in writing speeches, presenting them. You know, we're all having monthly general meetings. We're doing that. Uh, many other skills, you know, we've been doing this from a young age. Um, and I think it has a knock-on beneficial effect on many other aspects of our lives. Um, even, for example, I think a perfect example here would be, like, for example, the memorization of the Holy Quran. You know, um, you often see many, um, Lejana, you know, melodiously reciting prayers as we're cradling our children. And, you know, before you know it, your children remember those prayers. Um, they even begin to associate feeling soothed with those prayers. Mm. Um, you know, and learning so young means that children, children are really well practiced in memorizing. Um, whereas often you find other children, you, you find that the first time they've ever learned something will be when their GCSEs prop up. Mm-hmm. So our children are learning from a very young age, memorizing. Um, and the benefits of our religious learning programs, in short, um, to say the minimum, I think have quite a magnificent impact on our lives and actually the lives of others. Um, because our aim is to excel in learning, but to excel so that we excel, you know, in the practice of that goodness, you know, so we can improve our lives improve the lives of those around us, the organization, um, the white community, and actually, you know, everyone that we come into contact with.
0: Mm. Yeah. What I have found is that, you know, achievement, whether that's academic or religious, is, is born of expectation. Mm. And the, the caliphs, the khalifas of our Ahmadiyya Muslim community have always had very high expectations of all the girls and women of the community. And these have been expressed repeatedly over the years. And so the introduction of the academic achievement prizes at the annual convention is just one way in which educational achievement is celebrated, and the establishment of the amur e department, otherwise known as the student affairs department within Lajna, is further testament of the importance um, His Holiness places on education and the support of all students. In fact I would say that education is the greatest testament to the empowerment of women in Islam, because of the emphasis Islam places on the right of women to seek education. And the commandment that encourages the pursuit of knowledge, which is seek knowledge from the cradle to grave, is 1400 years old and entirely gender neutral. And there's another um, saying that the pursuit of knowledge is an obligation of every man or woman uh, Muslim. And so I think in reality, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, himself was a feminist. So he championed the rights of women in a manner that was revolutionary. And it's apparent from the Holy Quran and Hadith, or the sayings of the Prophet, that the acquisition of knowledge is obligatory for women in the same way as it is for men. And the Holy Prophet, uh, peace be upon him, even equates the acquisition of knowledge as an endeavor worthy of spiritual reward, where he says, the person who goes forth in search of knowledge is striving hard in the way of Allah until his or her return. Speaking of learning, let me turn to you and ask you, Samina, what can you tell us, just in general terms, about the Amur al-Talibat department within Lajna?
3: So, um, the Lajna Amur al-Talibat, which is known as the Student Affairs Department, was established in March 2018 by His Holiness, Khalifa al-Masih V, Hazrat Mirza Masoor Ahmed, may Allah be his helper. The purpose of this department within the auxiliary organisation of lajna i Is to promote academic excellence as well as to provide support in all areas of student life including pastoral care as well. It endeavours to ensure that members of Lajna Imayla UK who are students actively participate in all Lajna and community activities and programs even if they move to different parts of the country or the world for their studies. The department also supports The um, AMDIA Muslim Women's Students Association. This is really for the university um, students Mm -hmm. as such. And this association is lovely. This AMSA is made up of students who work to facilitate the development and success of all students in the UK from the point of considering degree courses, writing university applications, writing personal statements, Helping with, as some of you know, those interviews and research opportunities that we've all gone through. Mm-hmm. And career advice is actually offered by a wide net- network of contact of those students who have completed their degree or are working in a number of um, mm-hmm. professional fields. So really practical
0: help and advice. So yeah.
3: And I think, you know, a lot of the girls, you know, alhamdulillah, have now become really successful doctors, doctors. Mm-hmm teachers, different fields as such. So, we have so many professionals. Alhamdulillah, know we're really blessed. And um, with the Student Affairs Association, the seminars and workshops are provided throughout the year to support students from year 10 onwards, and that's GCSE time. So some of the examples of some of the workshops and presentations that have been made covered are useful revision tips for students, dealing with social media and peer pressure, such an important element at the moment, critical thinking and problem solving as well for a variety of things, not just academic aspects as well, but thinking about it throughout life as well. Some of these events and workshops are held nationally and others are locally as well. And this really allows the students to build a really strong network of support amongst other Amdi Muslim students. The student department runs seminars in educational institutions and um, at different universities to discuss particular outreach topics and social issues. Um, Alhamdulillah, this year, by the grace of Allah, um, there were actually six university events across the country for International Women's Day. And some of the universities this was included was the King's College London, University of Manchester and University of Brighton and Kent. The national secretary for this department and her team is made up of various professionals. And even actually, alhamdulillah, at each local branch level, there is actually a Murad Talibat secretary. That is the Students Affairs secretary that supports at the ground level the students and is really the first point of contact for any questions or issues they have made in relation to studies. Mm. Do you know what, Meneza? you were mentioning before, you know the emphasis um, of education and training of women in all for all our women in our beautiful religion, Islam, Ahmadiyya. So I'd like to read a quote by our beloved holiness, May Allah be his helper, from an address he delivered at the United Nations Educational Scientific and Cultural Organization um, headquarters in Paris in 2019. His holiness said, and I quote, Ahmadi Muslims across the world are educated and are excelling in various fields. They are becoming doctors, teachers, and architects, and entering other professions through which they can serve humanity. We ensure that girls are given equal access to education as boys. End quote. Alhamdulillah, how blessed we are to have a Khalifa to guide
0: us yeah, throughout. Certainly. Yeah, thank you, Samina. The department, you mentioned, has really grown since it was first established. And I've seen the advances made by AMSA over the years, mashallah. And I I sense that the younger generation of student leaders are increasingly ambitious in their outlook and plans, mashallah.
1: But I also wanted to say that there are plenty of women who remain in the home and work in the home within the community. And within the community, Mm. we value education. And because women are at home, it doesn't mean their education is finished. There are many women that we know who are also doing courses at home. Or just excelling in that area. Yeah, so absolutely. yes, I think we've it's got to choice, have that balance. I absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I
2: left my work as a solicitor for mm. twenty years, mm. and I, you know, as a housewife, as a mother, you know, yeah. I, I really enjoyed that, and I was supporting my husband at the yeah. same time.
0: It's a team effort. Yeah, absolutely, I think, when you do yeah. it.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, sure. yeah. Just off of that, Sarah. So, um, so on Joel sussle on our Saturday. So His Holiness traditionally graces the ladies' marquee, presenting women with academic awards for achievement in their studies and professional lives. And this tradition has been slightly modified but carries on. But really this is all a prelude to the address His Holiness delivers about the ways of spiritual improvement and addressing those issues directly which are experienced more uniquely by women, but also those aspects of life which require cooperation between men and women, each playing their role in the pursuit of spiritual improvement. But as I've grown up in England, I have noticed an increase in the visibility of Muslims and with that, a hardening, I think, of negative attitudes in the media and in the wider population. Mm. I think previously, Muslims were just seen as different, mm. but over time, mm. I think Muslims have started to become derided and even mocked. And Muslim women practicing the hijab are apparent from a distance and have been the subject of a, of you know significant abuse. Uh, absolutely, they have. And, you know, I find... Um negative
2: attitudes and stereotype, stereotypes, sorry, um, you know, like that, I'm deeply saddening. But, you know, in the, in the next instance, I often find myself sitting upright, you know, ready to do what I can um, to remove that ignorance and lack of knowledge, which is, uh, you know, actually what it is. Um, and I like to think, as a practicing Avanim Muslim, I, you know, I certainly try to do my best, uh, to do all that I can to practice my faith. Um, I was also born and brought up in the UK, and although as a youngster, I think I'd say I have no memories of Islamophobic abuse or behaviour, sadly, you know, that has actually changed. in mm. in the last few years, mm. um, I was once actually approached by a gentleman in a bookshop uh, who bombarded me with abuse, and the nature of it was hugely Islamophobic. It was very intimidating. And actually, when I, the sad thing is that when I asked the shop staff to intervene, they informed me that it wasn't co- company policy to involve themselves in um, public disagreements. Um, and I felt quite sad. That, it's you know, to hide behind it. Absolutely. It certainly um, you know, shook me. But I do feel that our greatest tool is in spreading the truth of the beauty of our faith, mm. you know, improving ourselves so that we're a practical demonstration of the true liberty um, you know, it gives a woman. Um, and I can certainly say that I feel liberated by my faith and also that Lejana, you know, has given me that guidance and the strength to understand the true teaching of Islam, you know, and then recognize the protection and potential Islam provides. And then I can share that knowledge and, you know, I try my best to share that knowledge and focus on the positive
1: And I, you know, I agree also, you know, of course, we have occasionally come across negative comments um, or negative. We certainly see it in the media, Mm. negative Mm. perceptions of Muslim women. Um, And there's a lot of ignorance there to be dispelled, I think. But um, I have personally found that being a Muslim woman in the Afghani Muslim community has been uplifting for me. We are reminded of our roles and our responsibilities, and we are educated as to our rights. You know, I'm yet to find a teaching of Islam, which I feel does not support me as a Muslim woman. Mm -hmm. For example, I have colleagues who are still unaware that according to Islamic teachings, women have the right of divorce. This is something that is comparatively new for women in the European world. So they are surprised to learn that Islam enshrined this right 1,400 years ago. Mm -hmm. And all the departments of Lajna and are drawn towards educating women on their rights so that they can defend them and understand them. They are drawn to educating women as to their responsibilities and equipping them with the knowledge and skills to carry out those to the best of their ability. That's a liberating philosophy where we uplift each other. And I personally have learned a lot of skills through working at MTA, as Dahir mentioned earlier, and presenting on Voice of Islam, working with the Nasser Art Department. You know, in these I feel that I would not have had in my professional life, these opportunities, and I'm very grateful for the skills I learned. I'm also grateful because many Muslim women strive to work together without ego. There are so many occasions where I have started a task without any specific skill or experience. I, as all happy women do, would conduct this task to the best of my ability and would cooperate and collaborate to get it done. Starting at MTA, for example, I had no understanding of scheduling. But I listened, I learned. And 25 years ago, I was attending Jalsa and scheduling live broadcasts and repeating it across the weekend, um, which, you know, was something yeah. I, I, I learned on, on the job. If you had come to Jalsa, the annual convention, you, if you come here, you'll see women from all walks of life working together. You will see lawyers, doctors, professors, bankers, housewives, teachers and workers are all taking on a role that varies from cleaning bathrooms, security, serving food, picking rubbish. There is no ego and no competition. It is the philosophy of Lajnit that we are all equal and we are all here to serve the guests of Jalsa, the annual convention. And there's a dignity and a beauty in service which permeates the grounds of this event and it enriches the experience for both the guests and the hosts. And I certainly feel that, you know, I get great enjoyment from coming and serving and attending. Mm -hmm. Having a focus on God and serving humanity definitely enriches any experience in your life.
0: I love what you said about service permeating the grounds at this event Mm -hmm. Sarah that's lovely and what you also said about ego is so important because without shedding our egos it's it's an obstacle to our success and our goal is of course spiritual success and and although we're encouraged to compete um in a sense if we see some good we should try to increase that in ourselves but it's not really competition in the general sense and the worldly sense of the world that word where there's a prize at the end for only a limited number so with spiritual progress it's something that's open for everybody and it's available without you know restriction so girls growing up in an environment like this in england um in the west maybe like the, where islamophobia is found in many parts of society and the legal protections are not as strong as the protection of say other religions In in the face of this muslim women who wish to practice Facets of religion, such as hijab, despite social prejudice, need a really steely determination and a strong resilience. Mm. And last year's address by His Holiness addressed this determination and confidence at, at the root. So His Holiness regularly speaks about the confidence that Muslim women and girls should have about the truth of their beliefs. Um, he encourages us to understand our beliefs and to develop our understanding to be able to explain our beliefs and practices to others in a, in a fearless way. And in this address, His Holiness highlighted the achievements of Muslim women throughout Islamic history, including recent Islamic history. And I think it would be a good idea to look back to the address His Holiness gave to the ladies' session last year. So are there any particular points that His Holiness addressed in his 2022 speech, Daira, that you Feel really resonated or had a very special impact on you?
2: Um, Well, I've had to re-listen of that speech. (laughs) Um, There's so much to take in. Absolutely, there's so much to take in. And it's amazing because every time I re-listen to an address, I find myself reflecting over kind of new thoughts and ideas. And then, you know, following that guidance, actually, you know, following it through, um, I found has had a profound impact on my life. Um, And you mentioned last year's uh, address. And last year, His Holiness presented examples, as you said, of exemplary Muslim women, uh, those that were companions of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, and also those that lived during the era of the second successor of the Promised Messiah on whom be peace, Hazrat Muzab Bashiruddin Mahmud Ahmad. And His Holiness made it clear that we should not just be temporarily inspired, you know, we should persevere as Lajna to attain, really attain these heights. Um, and there were two points which have particularly kind of uh, been instilled in my mind Um, and the first one was about the continuing financial sacrifice of Muslim women in every era. So one instance which His holiness related was that when the wife of the Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him, Hazrat Aisha, may Allah be pleased with her, she once received gifts from the Muslim companions of the Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him Um, and even though she had no personal income of her own she actually distributed what she was given And I thought that this is is an outstanding example, because um, we know from history that a friend of a Hazard said that she should have kept a little of some food that she'd been given as a gift um, to open her fast. And to just avoid answering the question, she replied that her friend should have told her that before. Um, And so that's quite beautiful. And to have such outstanding examples in history, um, I think, of financial sacrifice uh, to help others is really quite uplifting. Um, His Holiness also gave more recent examples from the history of the Blessed Wife, from history. Um, he gave an example of the Blessed Wife of the Promised Messiah on whom be peace, and actually how she would give huge amounts to help the poor. Um, and I think it's important to hear those examples and remember them, you know, so that we can be reminded and we can um, try to continue, you know, try our best to continue in that spirit and that goodness. Um,
1: mm. sorry, and um uh, sorry to jump in there. Uh Samina, okay. have you got any other memories of uh that speech as well? Thank yeah. you for sharing that, Diana.
3: Do you know what? The main memories that I have from his holiness address at the Lajna session last year, as you just said, is the inspirational women his holiness mentioned and the various incidents that were highlighted from the life of the female companions of the holy prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and also Ahmadi women during and after the era of the promised Messiah, peace be upon him. These incidents, as you just said, really showed the religious and spiritual status of a true, really Muslim woman. I was taken aback in such a positive way when His Holiness stated that these incidents could actually take several hours to speak about and several volumes of writings and still not be complete. There was one incident which has really stuck in my mind, And that's in relation to the Holy Prophet, Peace and Blessings of Allah be upon his time. And it was concerning the female companion, Hazrat Umayh Amara. His Holiness related, Umayh Amara's bravery and with regards to the upbringing of her children and ensuring they remained established in their faith. There is one incident that His Holiness related, which one reads and ponders over, they would come to know of the great status of this woman. His Holiness explained that once in Mecca, the holy prophet, peace and blessings be on him, was meeting some Muslims from Medina who had come to see him. In this entourage, there were two women, and one was Hazrat Umay. Amara. The events that would transpire later proved that these people would go on to be the pillars of Islam. Hazrat umay Amara herself, Um, was really courageous. She took part in many battles alongside the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. This great Muslim woman showed such high levels of faith that is illustrated in an incident from her son's life, Hazrat Khubehb, who was her son. He was captured by a staunch enemy of Islam, Musalma Khazab, after the demise of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him musalma falsely claimed to be a prophet with which muslims say the Khazab actually refers to him as a liar so back to the incident musalma Khazab summoned hazrat khubab and asked do you testify that muhammad peace and blessings be upon him is the messenger of allah khubab replied yes then musallama Asked, do you testify that I am the messenger of Allah? Hubeyb replied, no. Upon this, Musalma gave the order for one of his limbs to be cut off. Um, Khazab then asked these questions again and again, to which Hazrat Hubeyb gave the same answers, despite having one arm and then multiple limbs cut off by the Musalma. He did not waver and gave his life in this way. He declared his faith as he went on his way to meet his Lord. His Holiness explained that this fortitude of faith in Hazrat Hubeb was the result of his mother Hazrat Umar Amara's upbringing which resulted in his son Hazrat Hubeb having such an unwavering belief.
1: Thank you very much for that, Samina. And as you said, it's that impact that a mother has on a child. And Benita, how about you? What comes to mind from last year's speech?
4: I think His Holiness often speaks about the confidence of Muslim women and that girls should have, about the truth of their beliefs. He encourages us to understand our beliefs and to develop our understanding, to be able to explain our beliefs and practices to others in fearless way. In this address, His Holiness highlighted the achievements of Muslim women throughout Islamic history, including recent history. The patience and faith of these women in the face of many difficulties, grief and agony was unparalleled. With regards to one of the examples where the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings be on him, designated one day to meeting women and teaching them as a result of their passion for learning my reflection here is that most times we need to ask for things we need to speak out and not to wait to be given our rights or dues on a platter of gold the women complained and asked and they were given accordingly these exemplary women created excellent records and made history it makes me reflect and ask myself what kind of records am i creating for myself and generations to come the holy quran chapter 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 17 verse 12 says fear the day when allah will command you and read thy book when i am asked to read my books what will be there we will continue to strive determined to live examples of these women inshallah
1: thank you Birida. and for me there's always something poignant in the addresses of his holiness's speeches Um, But last year, reflecting what what everybody said so far, it's those values which stand out um, for me. These are values that have stood the test of time and they're absolutely values which I would wish to instill in my children to cultivate those and also to instill in the children I teach. You know, honesty, truthfulness, um, strength, courage, um, resilience. These are all values which we encourage um, children to have. And the speech... uh, which His Holiness delivers on the Saturday is always inspiring and I know that um, it's always responsive to the needs of the time because His Holiness meets so many men and women from all walks of life from all around the globe so the advice and guidance which he gives to us on that special session is really tailored to the absolute needs of the time.
0: There was something right at the beginning of last year's annual convention address to the ladies by His Holiness that stuck with me throughout. Um, so His Holiness said that the activities of so many named Muslim women are recorded in the history books for posterity that these Muslim women outnumber all other women mentioned in all of other world history. So, which is quite remarkable, I think. So, and the achievement of Muslim women, as I mentioned by His Holiness, said could take several hours to speak about and several volumes of writings and yet be incomplete. Now, we'll move on a little now. So the Prophet Muhammad peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, being a universal messenger and confirm of all the previous prophets of Allah was commissioned to create a distinct culture of tolerance and understanding from a culture which held very strong prejudices in a strictly hierarchical society where non arrows were considered inferior. The Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him, said that you are brothers and sisters. You are all equal, no matter to which nation or tribe you belong, and no matter what your status is, you are equal. Just as the fingers of both hands are alike, nobody can claim to have any distinctive right or greatness over another. As a practical example, uh, a black man from Ethiopia, or Abyssinia as it was then known, by the name of Bilal, Bilal, uh, who is now respectfully referred to as Sayyidina Bilal by all Muslims, was chosen by the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, to deliver the call to prayer, the Azan, in his own mosque, which was such a distinction and high honour, which could not have been imagined before the pronouncements of equality um, by the Holy Prophet. Now we read in the Holy Quran, O mankind, indeed we have created you from male and female, and we have made you into clans and tribes that you may recognise each other. Verily, the most honorable among you in the sight of Allah is he who is most righteous. The Holy Qur'an here not only takes note of diversity in the world, but also stresses the useful purpose of diversity in races, colors, languages, and even cultures, and describes these diversities as a sign of God for those who reflect. And he definitely stresses that none of these distinctive attributes confers any special privileges on one people or tribe over another. Now, Barira, you're a member of PAMA, the Pan um, African Association of Ahmadi Muslims. Can you tell us a little bit about PAMA and how its activities fit within the aims and objectives of Lejna? Of course.
4: Well, PAMA UK was founded in 1986 by the fourth Khalifa, His Holiness Mazar Tahir Ahmad, may Allah have mercy on him. PAMA stands for Pan African Ahmadi Muslim Association. Mashallah, it is a dynamic and vibrant association that comprises all Ahmadis of African descent living in the UK. It has its own national and regional executives. However, it was not until 2014 that our current Khalifa, His Holiness, Mirza Masri Ahmed, may Allah be his helper, graciously approved a parallel national executive for the ladies too. And my, and, and my... The objectives of Palmer are extensive and include uniting Ahmadi Muslims of African descent in diaspora under one umbrella. We also aim to drive and motivate all our members towards the mainstream ad- administrative system and running of the Ahmadi Muslim community. Our objective includes, of course, to inculcate moral and spiritual values in all members. The mission of Parma is to seek to propagate by words and actions the true teachings of Islam as taught by the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Parma has its own annual calendar of activities. We have joint events and activities with our men and ladies, only once, all with, all with the aims to promote intellectual discourse, affectionate brotherhood and sisterhood, facilitate religious education and training. In 2016 and 2017, Respectfully, Palmer UK raised funds with, within its members and with the blessed approval of His Holiness and built two mosques in Burkina Faso and Benin.
0: Wow. So, uh, Barina, can you tell us a bit more about the activities that Palma um, uh, puts on? Yes, of course. Just as other
4: auxiliaries and associations within the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Palmer also holds events of its own. So, for example, as we're all here in Hadikota Mahadi, on the first day of JOSTA 2023, Palmer will be holding a reception and dinner here at the annual convention, in honour of delegates who have arrived from Africa to attend the annual convention. In fact, this will be hosting this event immediately after the first session of the annual convention later today here at Hadikota Mahadi. We have also held a series of Africa at 50 events on the 50th independence anniversaries of various African nations and we have been fortunate to have been usually blessed with the presence of His Holiness at these events. Palmer, in general, remains active throughout the year, holding regular annual events like Ishtamas, Peace Symposiums. We also have Eid Milan Family Picnic, which is very, very popular. On the, ac- side fun. <laughs> <laughs> On the academic side of matters, we organise and hold public lectures and Q&A, Q&A sessions, which members also find very beneficial. As I mentioned earlier, there are many events and activities which ladies of Palma organize and hold on their own. These include weekly, so every, Saturday, every Sunday morning, reading of books of the promised Messiah, peace beyond him. Um, we organize reading challenges and hold online Quran lessons. Palma ladies also arrange workshops like International Women's Day workshops and also personal development workshops. Aside from these events, we also hold intergenerational conversations and have, and have joined the, um, these conversations going forward. There are regular programs for our under 15 year olds as well, including Nasserat Summits, Nasserat Monthly Classes Dialogues, there are youth residential weekends, and youth corners. Palmer also has a strong welfare agenda to serve the needs of its members. For example, we hold welcome events periodically. These are for new arrivals to the UK. We signpost them to administrative organizational structures of the community here and help them with other external resources applicable to their needs mm, so more examples of practical assistance
0: that legna provides exactly
4: exactly um and quite recently on the 28th of may um, 2023 Palmer ladies held celebrating africa day event to commemorate the ceremony of the Legenda Maila, the centenary rather of legna Emila. Highlights of this programme were launching the inspirational legend of African Decemberosha. We've been working on it for the past two years. Wow. Um, and ladies from, ladies from each member country presented an exhibition, as well as gave um, brief history and presentation of uh, Ahmediyat and Legendary Myland in their respective countries. We also had features including cake cutting, flag waving and songs of praise, which were very, very popular, as you can imagine. <laughs> Um, prizes were distributed on book reading challenges. We received goodwill messages from Legend presidents from across the globe and also from um, other dignitaries. In line with how the Ahmadiyya Muslim community operates, we also invite and accept invitations and attend other religious groups, external agency activities as well, to promote interfaith dialogue and cooperation for the common good of the society. Palmer believes that engagement and interactions with others are vital to understanding the true teachings of
0: Islam. Thank you very much, and I'm just thinking about the joy on the day of the songs of praises that you were talking about. I think you might find, Gria, you've got three extra visitors at your next PAMA event, <laughs>
2: <laughs> four extra visitors.
0: Uh, but can you tell us how PAMA is working to bring people together in its efforts for diversity and also ex- expanding to other countries?
4: More than ever, as part of achieving one of our main um, objectives of driving and motivating our members to the program of the mainstream Ahmadiyya community, our members now take part enthusiastically in all you know, legendary programs, events, and activities at a local level, regional level, and a national basis as well. So those are you know the Ishtamas, the sports days, Mina Bazaar, the Lima and Turbiti classes, etc. This has mm. this has been made possible by the inspirational leaders of our. Inspirational leadership of our President saiba Dr. Furia Haqqan, who has demonstrated high level of inclusiveness and fairness to all Lajana members in the UK, irrespective of race, language and age. Parma ladies appreciate her greatly more than words can express. In addition to the UK, our current Khalifa, His Holiness, Mazama Ahmed, has approved establishment of Parma in seven other countries. Being USA, Italy, Belgium, France, Canada, Germany, and most recently in 2023, um, Netherlands. Mm-hmm. These countries work together, have platforms to share good ideas and good practices, discuss it, discusses which is going well and what is not going well, and finding you know solutions to hold uh, to holding programs together. So, for example, this year we discussed arranging matrimonial matters and how to collaborate and attend um, online programmes and activities together. Um, We hope to continue the physical attendance of different country um, activities, um, especially within Europe, while we continue to maximise the benefits of technology by virtual attendance of international programmes, God willing. We plan to continuously take ownership and responsibility of our Ahmadiyya Muslim community. The The community belongs to all of us, irrespective of any challenges faced. Enlightening our non-African brothers and sisters—they're not all black. Black persons seen in the seen in the community is a new convert is a priority. By the grace of Allah, many African members you you see are third or fourth generation Ahmadi Muslims. I would also like to acknowledge that with the grace of Allah, Palmer Legioner have been commended on our youth engagement activities. The national president of Legioner UK. Imaila openly mentioned that at the last Majesty Shura or Consultative Bodies annual meeting held in London in May 2023, we always give our younger girls safe and assured spaces to express themselves and be active participants in our events and activities in order to develop their confidence and remove any barrier in their spiritual, academic, or career advancement. They are in different departments and teams to understudy the elderly ones. We arrange different programs and you know, help them run them. To be a Muslim is a challenge in this society and to be a black Muslim girl is, do, is, double, is a double challenge. So we prepare them in advance to face the world with faith in, uh, faith in Allah, that all their good dreams and aspirations are possible.
0: Oh, Thank you Baruna, for telling us all about the amazing activities of PAMA Lejna here in the UK. Mashallah PAMA is such an active force um, it is. It really is sad, though, to acknowledge the difficulty being a black Muslim girl is in this um, uh, in this country and in this time period. But it's also so heartening to hear that our girls are being given the tools to face mm-hmm. the challenges. Another quite recent addition to Lejna here in the UK is the Press and Media Team, which began work in 2014. And this is a team of volunteers that, made, that uh, made up of Lajna from around the UK and headed by the muavna President, who incidentally also serves as the producer of Faith in Focus, and Sisters on Air here on Voice of Islam. So the team writes to defend Islam and present true Islam to the media through social media letters and newspaper articles. And there's always daily activity on Instagram and Twitter, where we have over 10,000 followers. There's also I'd like to also highlight the Lejna blog, which began in 2014, which is now known as Voice of British Muslim Women. The first post was entitled The Paradox of the ISIS Flag, which sort of gives you an idea of the topics we have tackled head on. And the Lejna UK uh, now also produces podcasts since the beginning of 2022. 20, uh, um, we also offer training for writers who have expressed an interest in defending Islam, and the team offers training at national events for um, the next generation. And this year, Voice of British Muslim Women have been running a series publishing the words of many of our members, including many of our younger members, about what Lajna has meant for them. And I'd encourage our listeners to, um, to find that online. Um, so, as mentioned earlier, every year... At the annual convention, the worldwide head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Community, His Holiness Mirza Masroor Ahmad, may Allah be his helper, recognises students who have achieved excellent academic results. As all of us know, Islam doesn't only encourage the pursuit of spiritual knowledge, but secular knowledge too. And we have seen through the years that many Ahmadiyya al- Ahmadi women are recognised. Now, Samina, you once received an award at the annual convention from His Holiness, which wasn't quite academic, actually. Can you tell us about the experience?
3: Um, Do you know what? It was such a beautiful memory that I will never, um, ever forget. It was a privilege and honor to receive an award from our beloved holiness. It was in relation to an essay competition of 100 years of Khilafat. Throughout, actually, academic awards have been a regular occurrence at the annual convention By the grace of um, Allah, blessings of Allah, the Almighty, each year His Holiness, may Allah be His helper, has been awarding merit-based awards at the annual convention here in the UK to fortunate Amdi students who have excelled in their fields of study. These awards are for excellence in education from GCSE to PhD. With the grace of Allah, we have such talented women that the bar of the criteria is really quite high. And I am proud to say, yes, alhamdulillah, more academic prizes were awarded at the ladies session than on the men's side, mashallah.
0: So more ladies achieved that high bar, is that what you're saying? Yes, I am
3: saying that, which is completely a testament to the importance placed on education and seeking knowledge from the very inception of Lajna.
0: What an absolute privilege it is to be able to receive an award from the beloved spiritual head of the community, His Holiness, This is what awaits some very high-achieving Lejna women tomorrow whose academic efforts and successes will be recognized in the presence of His Holiness in the Lady's Marquis. And it will be such an honor for them, and we wish them all many, many congratulations in advance. Now, we're coming to the end of this special Voice of Islam Faith in Focus program. And to end this, if I can ask you all in a sentence to describe um, what Lejna has meant to you or what you have gained from being part of Lejna.
1: Sarah, can we start with you? Um, yes, I think that for me, it's that bond of sisterhood. It is that identity that um, despite, you know, ethnic, economic, educational backgrounds, we're all different, we're all unique, but we are bonded by our membership of Oh Mayla.
0: Jazakallah. Um, um, Barira, would you like something to add?
4: I am Lajna and Lajna is I. Lajna reminds me always of the 14 founding pioneers and other pioneers from different countries who have followed their good example. Their bravery, ability to speak out at common t- uncommon times and outcome of working together sincerely for the common good and how Allah blessed their noble intentions.
0: Okay, Daira, would you like to say something?
2: Well, um, I mean, that's a great question. And um, I think I'll probably just reflect what I said earlier as well, um, that the answer for me would just simply be that it just represents, you know, my life, who I am, my identity. And I think it's just part of the person I am. It's not separate from me. It's more than just being a member of a group, you know, because this group organization, it's a spiritual one and spirituality is such a core part of a person. You know, it's such an inherent part of one's identity. It can't be, you know, separated from the self. So I think, yes, for me, um, I'd just say that Lajna is who I am. It's certainly who I aspire to be, you know, because I really do recognize the
3: responsibilities that come with this. Do you know what? I'm going to really echo what all of you sisters have already just said. Um, Lajna Emila has really helped me grow from a young girl to a woman. It's really helped me um, to navigate my life, to fulfill my roles and responsibilities from being a daughter when I was born, a sister, a wife and now a mother, and of course in my service to our beloved Jamaat, the community, as well as my professional field as being obviously the deputy head at a large primary school. I do feel feel really truly blessed to be part of the sisterhood from all parts of the world, and just like even now, you know, the laughter that fills a room when we are all together. It's just beautiful to see and actually just lovely to hear as well. Um, on a personal note, with having three daughters now, from Nasrat to Student Najna, you know, and I do hope that my daughters take the benefits um, from this organisation. And I pray to Allah, the Almighty, that they will be flourished and they will be guided in religious and academic life and can I just
2: say that I have four sons so I really appreciate coming and having three days of
3: female companionship <laughs> I <laughs> really I enjoy time. it <laughs> you you can come and join me and my girls all the time Daira <laughs> <laughs> I might have to take you up on that
0: and um, Bruna I just love what you said earlier but actually I found something on the podcast on the Legend Lejnay My Love podcast that I really enjoyed something that you wrote you may have forgotten what you wrote, but I'm just going to quote what Brida has said, uh, written in the, post, uh, in the past. She writes, "'What is a tree without its roots, without its foundation, without the very thing that makes it stand? Likewise, what is a tree without its branches and stems? It is the branches and stems of a tree that make the tree come alive and stretch, reaching new heights. It is with the structure of the branches that fruits and flowers grow, And birds sit on. The branches are a means of transportation. It is how water and nutrients from the roots that makes its way to the leaves, but it also holds on to these things for times of need. The Holy Quran, chapter 14, verse 25, states: Dost thou not see how Allah sets forth the similitude of a good word? It is like a good tree whose root is firm and whose branches reach into heaven. There are over 100 branches of Lejna Imaila in the UK alone. There are, of course, branches of Lejna across the globe. With these branches, the root message of the coming of the promised Messiah, peace be on him, and the guidance of the Khalifa of the time is passed through the local branches of Lejna to the members of the community. So I think it's, it's beautiful writing, Briya.
1: Um, and I'd like to just add, because um, I was also looking through those um, blog posts, and as I'm coming to Delta, I'm preparing myself, and, um, <coughs> excuse me, there was, um, sh- I'd like to read a short extract from a blog by Yusra Dadi, which was written in 2023, and it was entitled Purpose, How the Holy Quran Quelled a Personal Crisis. And um, there was a part of it which I found very relevant to my experiences at a Jalsa or the Yanni Convention, so um, I'll just read it now. Trying to be unique or special while doing this (coughs) does not make a difference and also misses the point. The beauty of being a believer and doing good deeds and worshipping Allah is that it is something that is available to everyone. You don't need a lofty career or four degrees to achieve your purpose. All the extra stuff might come in handy, but it's not the cause or the justification of your existence. Without proper guidance, you might end up worse than how you started, wasting your skills and time on things that don't really matter. I wasted so much time thinking about who I was going to be that I never realised that there was somebody I already was, someone who was blind to not only what her purpose was, but also to what purpose meant. And prior to this, the verse, the verse, other verses from chapter 23, verse 113 of the Quran, God will say, what number of years did you tarry on the earth? And they will say, we tarried for a day or part of a day, but ask those who keep count. And that's the end of the quote. So the annual convention may only be a few short days each year. But the impact goes much further than those few hours we spend together.
0: Oh, jazakala, Sarah. And I just want to say... Um Jazakala Samina and Taira and Barira for joining me today. The time has really flown by in conversation in which we've covered such a breadth of topics on the importance of Jummah or Friday in Islam, the Lejna Centenary, women's education. I know I've certainly learned a lot and I hope our listeners have too. You've been listening to live Jalsa special of Faith in Focus, broadcasting from Hadith produced by Mrs. Shramin Bhatt. Assalamu alaikum. Peace and blessings of Allah be on you all.